into A to Z Sports Primetime. I'm your host, Buck Rising. If you're new, and I'm proud as always to be presented to you by our friends at Two Rivers Ford. Two Rivers Ford is where you go. It's where you should go for your next vehicle purchase because a lot of things are difficult to do right now except buying a vehicle at Two Rivers Ford. That's always a breeze. Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet or online at tworiversford.com. The Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage. GaryAshton.com is where you go for your dream address without the stress. The Ashton team has you covered to get you the intel edge you need to succeed. So, in talking about uh, in talking about a couple of different things this week, we've been starting to turn our attention towards college football. And, you know, in the absence of, like, actual news that's taking place across the NFL, other than, like, top 10 wide receiver lists, which also A.J. Brown not being on the top 10 wide receivers in the NFL was fairly hilarious if you're a Titans fan. So uh, a rare win for the Titans fans after A.J. Brown was traded away that he missed the ESPN top 10 list. But in the absence of actual news, we've been looking at the world of college football and starting to get you ready for the SEC in the fall. And in doing that, you know, I've been looking around specifically at the East because obviously, you know, this is a Tennessee-based show. We pay attention to the University of Tennessee. We talk about the Vols first and foremost when things happen because that's what the majority of you guys, it's where your rooting allegiances are in the world of college football. Anyway, if you're a Titans fan, it doesn't necessarily always mean that you're a Vols fan, but there's a pretty good hit rate between the two football programs. So looking at the SEC East, I've been thinking about who the biggest wild card is in that side of the conference. And I've come up with a couple of different names. So I thought this would be a curious way to talk about it and to have an engaging college football conversation with, uh, you know, I think it's like less than 40 days to go before college football gets up and rolling again. So I need to get things started, or I would love for you guys to get things started, with your Two Rivers Ford take. That is simple enough. Just tell us in the comments on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and on Twitch, who do you think is the biggest wild card in the SEC this season? There's a bunch of options to pick from, even if it is a two-team race for the SEC title, right? Alabama out of the West and Georgia in the East. We know who, you know, no pun intended, the top dogs are in the SEC. But outside of that, it's kind of a crapshoot. Um, on both sides as to, I mean, who would even finish second in the SEC West or the East at this point? And I think that's where the most interesting version of the conversation lies. So who do you think is the biggest wild card in the SEC, the entire SEC this year? It is your Two Rivers Ford take. We will read some of your commentary here in just a second, right after I tell you about our friends at Two Rivers Ford. They make the Two Rivers Ford take possible. They make the best car buying experience possible when you go visit them out in Mount Juliet. You don't have to go to the dealership if you don't want to. You can give one of their non-commissioned sales staff a call to keep a lookout on a vehicle that you may want. They may fit your family's budget or your needs, and they'll give you a shout when those vehicles become available in stock. Or if you want to build your next Ford at Two Rivers Ford, the same way that I did, you can do the Built For You program that Two Rivers Ford does so well. They'll custom order it, custom build it for you, and deliver it right to your door. So many great options at Two Rivers Ford. So give them a look at tworiversford.com or 
out at the dealership in Mount Juliet, Two Rivers Ford, the best in the business. So, who's the biggest wild card in the SEC writ large? Because I think if you look at Kentucky with Will Levis, who is probably a first-round pick at quarterback this year. We'll see how his season goes. But he's projecting as such and certainly has the tools to be. Um, You look at a a program like Auburn or Texas A&M, Arkansas even, who is playing or far exceeding expectations under Sam Pittman. Also, I believe Sam Pittman heading into year three as the Arkansas head coach. They have gone above and beyond, and it's really seemed like a good fit. Tennessee, how do they factor in in the East? Should the expectations be for the balls to be second to Georgia? They consistently own Kentucky head-to-head, and Kentucky would seem to be their greatest opponent in the East this year, but is there something that we're missing? South Carolina with Spencer Rattler, the Oklahoma transfer at quarterback. I'm not entirely sure what to make of that experiment, but I know that it is intriguing. And then Florida, certainly with Billy Napier, the new coach, but also a huge talent in Anthony Richardson that just hasn't quite figured it out yet. Where are the wild cards that can uh, kind of trip the rest of the SEC up looking at their schedule this year? I think for a lot of people, the Vols are going to be the team that you choose. Steven Sawyer's says, I'm going to say Tennessee. They lose to Bama and they lose to Georgia, um, but they basically handle the rest of their schedule. So you're basically projecting Tennessee to be, what, a nine-win team? Um, Certainly uh, by the end of the regular season, that would seem to be the case. And theoretically, I think they're capable, right? An improvement of two wins. It's not outrageous, especially when you look at who you're playing and what they're kind of returning. Like I said, Kentucky is your biggest threat there legitimately without knowing exactly what South Carolina is going to look like this year. And, you know, the rest of the East, I mean, Missouri and Vanderbilt, I don't think anybody expects them to do much this year. Um, You know, looking elsewhere uh, in the SEC East, I don't think there's much of a threat from a team like, or that's not the East, Mississippi State is in the West, but still, like Mississippi State is, uh, is perpetually a, I don't want to call them a bottom feeder because that's not true. They did well under Dan Mullen and they, they, should be able to make some noise, but like teams like Mississippi State and LSU, I have no idea what to do with in 2022. Uh, B French says Florida is the biggest threat, Buck. My gosh. Well, I don't know, man. Like, what about Florida losing Dan Mullen, even as he was hugely ineffective at the end? What about Florida? Kind, I mean, this should be the year that Tennessee beats Florida, full stop. Like, Tennessee has all of the advantages. I believe that game is in Knoxville, if I am not mistaken. I'll look up the uh, Vols football schedule while we're doing the primetime show right now. But I, uh, yeah, Tennessee, or rather Florida, is at Tennessee September the 24th of this season. Um, so it's at home. They're not, I mean, you're getting them earlier in the season, right? It's the fourth game of the regular season after you get the opportunity to kind of get, you know, get your feet wet against Ball State, Pittsburgh, and Akron, you open SEC play with Florida. And it's a great opportunity to kind of put your thumb on them in ways that, honestly, you should have done last year. The last time that Florida looked competent in the 2021 season was beating Tennessee. And for that, uh, I think that that's probably the most, even though Florida was favored and you understood why, that was probably the most inexcusable loss that the Vols had last year, as far as I'm concerned. 
But I think the biggest wild card in all of this is South Carolina. Uh, I don't know what Spencer Rattler's going to be, but I, something about Shane Beamer really, really vibes with me. Shane, obviously they've got a really good defensive line over there. Just what were they doing to maybe make things physical on the offensive side and, and maybe being able to get a push? Uh, they've got like a hundred five-star football players on their defense. They are, they have a defensive lineman that weighs 340 pounds and, and runs better than everybody on this call. Uh, they've got five-star defensive backs. They're big and physical and fast. I mean, other than that, they're really freaking good. That's why they have the top defense in the country. They're hard to run the football on. So there wasn't some magical scheme they came out with tonight. They got five-star recruits everywhere, and they play really physical. Damn. <laughs> but damn, at the end, always gets me. It's like Steve Spurrier-esque, and it makes me laugh. But I think that I think that South Carolina is a wild card in all this. They had no they had no business finishing six and six uh, last year. South Carolina did. They they started basically a janitor at quarterback. He was a grad assistant that they pulled like off of the coaching staff and put him in a uniform and got him out there to play under center. Like South Carolina last year was one of the bigger surprises and one of the bigger teams to kind of overachieve. I thought in the SEC last year. So I think that South Carolina is probably the biggest wild card, just kind of projecting out on who may hold that title by the end of the year. Let's talk about who will finish or where Tennessee will finish, rather, in the SEC East specifically. Give me your thoughts on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, and on Twitch. We will talk about it together where you believe the University of Tennessee will finish in the SEC East in 2022. You guys let me know how you feel about the situation, and certainly we will discuss it together. Where should Tennessee realistically finish in their division? We will talk about it together right after I tell you about our friends at the Ashton Real Estate Group of REMAX Advantage. GaryAshton.com, they're the best in the business because they have the best intel. They have the Intel edge to get things going. That means that you can sell your current home for more than you are being offered. Sell your home for more at GaryAshton.com. It means you can get the Intel edge to sell your home while looking for your next dream address. Your dream address without the stress is what the Ashton team offers to you. You can capitalize on your home equity and win the buyer battle now. That's what the Intel edge at Gary Ashton provides. So. If you are looking for your next home or trying to sell your current one, give our friends the Ashton Real Estate Group of REMAX Advantage a call at GaryAshton.com. So, where should Tennessee finish in the East this year? Second, maybe third, says Stephen, 1986. Lou says, in the basement. He thinks they are going to come in dead last. Lewis, I believe, is a Vanderbilt fan, so that would explain that assessment. Uh, Steven Sawyers says, you already know, I think number two, which is fair. And listen, I'm not, I'm not here to downplay confidence. I've been trying to gas, uh, my radio, uh, the executive producer for the radio show, Lucas is, uh, is a Tennessee alumni and I am gassing him up about his football team more than he is. I'm excited about Tennessee. I think they've got legit potential. And I think the East is basically there for the taking outside of Georgia right? I mean, who's clearly going to win it, but still to make progress to finish second would be a huge improvement. Remember also that in 2021, 
Tennessee did finish third in the SEC East um, and and did so well with seven wins, uh, even though the they you know Purdue the Purdue loss in the Music City Bowl I think was pretty unflattering for them. Jeff Rubel says third at best. He thinks they topped out last year, and that's about as well as they'll do. And again, I think Kentucky's a legitimate threat. But you know, I mean, there's something about what Josh Heupel brings to the table that gives you at least optimism that they'll be competitive in the hunt for basically second place. I know second, there's no trophies for second place, right? But when, anytime you deal with Tennessee, it feels like you have to deal in, in baby steps and building blocks. And for Tennessee to be able to slowly advance their grasp on their side of the conference, I think is no small feat. Well, the final is Osland Band building the capacity crowd, still filing in on a cold and rainy day to the pregame climax. The rain's been pouring, the crowd is roaring. As the volunteers pass at the north end are set to race onto the field, the final of the Southland Band will be pouring the giant tee that stretches from that north end to midfield. And the cheers in the background on a cold day becoming louder and louder, building to the crescendo as the big orange vets to race on the Shields Buskin Field, ladies and gentlemen. And wherever you are, as you listen to the Ball Radio Network, it's football time in Tennessee. So yeah, it gets you excited, right? And Josh Heupel's recruiting momentum makes you feel good about the trajectory of the program, even if that's you know a 2023 class that you won't see for a couple of years. Now, Jeff says something that is absolutely so. If Tennessee wants to get second, that defense has to improve a lot. And that's secondary. By the way, Jeff is 1,000% accurate. That secondary does not inspire optimism, right? They've got depth issues uh, all over the place, just as they did last year. And you know, there's reason to feel good about it. Like I said, the 2023 class is far from over. They'll probably see some defections. Most teams like that do. But to have the top overall player in the state of Missouri, a five-star defensive end in uh, Chandavian Bradley, to have the number one player in the state of Tennessee and him also be Caleb Herring, a player on the edge, you feel pretty good about the things that they are going to project as, but that's not here yet, right? They have to play this season with the personnel that they have. They certainly haven't done what you would like or as much as you would like for them to do in the transfer portal, but the options there, based on what's still available, it doesn't look like it would be an obvious upgrade over what they had. But, you know, to add bodies is still critical in the middle of all this. I Tim Banks, the defensive coordinator, who came over from Penn State is a bit of an unknown I think he overachieved with a with a below average talented unit last year. You had you had a couple players um, who you felt pretty good about. Matthew Butler and Alante Taylor were both draft picks this year, so it's not like they had outright bad personnel. There's some players on that team. Um, Theo Jackson as well, right for the Tennessee Titans. But looking at this depth is something that they did not have last year. Depth is something that is still a question to me, and their ability to affect the quarterback basically is is still up in the air right now. Um, oh, I'm blanking on number nine's name. Uh, I think he's kind of lo- local. He may be from Clarksville. 
I'm blank. I'm uh, I'm blanking on his name. The the edge rusher. He's or he's you know he's kind of like a hybrid edge player, outside linebacker. Um, who I really like and I think can can give them legitimate snaps. But outside of that, their defensive line talent is not what you would uh, is not as good as you would hope for. Um, Baron, yes. Uh, is it Tyler Baron? Tyler Baron sounds right. Um, forgive me. I, I need to. I need to. Do, I probably need to do a roster refresh at some point outside of Hendon Hooker, Cedric Tillman, and uh, Jabari Small. I've been watching a lot of offense uh, for Tennessee, getting ready for, you know, just kind of making early notes for the pre-draft process and doing our conversations with Greg Cosell about Tennessee, but I probably need to probably need to get on that here in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be here before we know it. So, uh, looking at what Tennessee is projected to do, I think that second in the East is, I think the second in the East is, a reasonable expectation. Kentucky's got a better quarterback in Will Levis. Kentucky's quarterback has a higher upside as a pro prospect, but we're not talking about being a better pro prospect right now. We're talking about who can be a better college football quarterback. And I think that Hendon Hooker has the ability to do so. I think that Cedric Tillman, as I mean, potentially a top 40 pick in the NFL draft, I think that he is fully capable of continuing to be a focal point in that offense how they continue to maximize the personnel. I'm not worried about that side of the ball. But getting stops is a concern. And and at some point, offense does matter. Offense does matter. Or rather, defense does matter. Even if there has been less of an emphasis on that throughout the, uh, throughout the uh, just kind of the evolution of football, Kentucky does have a significantly better defense. This is so. But Will Levis also loses Wandale Robinson, a second-round pick by the New York Giants this year, and three of his five starting offensive linemen, all three of which went pro. So it's not like now Kentucky has done well in recruiting offensive linemen. I hell, I think they've been calling that unit the big blue wall for the last couple of years. And they've done they've done successfully putting pro talent in the league. Um, there's no question. But uncertainty on the offensive side of the ball, I do think that puts them at a advantage or at a disadvantage, not necessarily head to head. But I think on the from a thousand foot view, Tennessee, I think, is going to be able to come out comfortably at the start of the season, while it may take Kentucky a little while to kind of get their stride. Now, if they don't, it's because Will Levis is, like I said, a pro prospect at quarterback, and they've got NFL coaching. They they're the Liam Cohen, the former offensive coordinator of Kentucky, is now the OC for the Rams in the NFL. They got Rick Scangarello, Rich Scangarello, rather from the 49ers offensive coaching staff. He worked under Mike McDaniel and Kyle Shanahan. So he's getting coached by NFL coaching. And it's fair to it's fair to expect him to take a step forward because what he showed us last year is that he's able to operate comfortably in a pro-style system. All right. Um, let's move on and let's talk about the quarterback hit list that Pro Football Focus put out. Here is the list in front of you, the list of top 10 quarterbacks in college football according to pro football focus. I am going to ask you the question. What is the biggest mistake on this list? Bryce Young, one. Caleb Williams. Spencer Rattler at three. CJ Stroud at four. Sam Hartman at Wake Forest. Wake Forest, by the way, perpetually does not get nearly enough credit for uh, being a high-level football team. Grayson McCall. Brennan Armstrong at Virginia. Dylan Gabriel at Oklahoma. A transfer quarterback who's going to have a big impact. Speaking of transfers, Keaton Slovis, uh, who no longer plays for USC. In fact, he's on the Pittsburgh roster. So this was a screw-up 
um, by Pro Football Focus. I just now noticed that. I did not notice that earlier. Tyler Van Dyke at the University of Miami um, also on this list. And I, I mean, the ACC's got some really good quarterbacks this year. But where is the biggest mistake? Let me know in the comment section on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, and on Twitch. While you do that, I will remind you that we are over halfway sold out for the Brooklyn Bowl Split Happens Bowling Bash. Coming up next, a week from today, a week from today, we are throwing an incredible party. Austin Stanley and Zach Bingham are coming to hang out. Producer Reed and some of the other A to Z sports crew will be in attendance as well as well as a lot of our friends from the radio show. Ramon Foster, Coach Dave McGinnis of Titans Radio, former Titans linebacker Darren Bates, our buddy comedian Josh Black, and a few others that we're excited to have. And you, we want you there. It's supporting a great cause. The proceeds of our party are going to charity. The charity is the Church at Mount Carmel that puts on free youth summer uh, camp programs for children in downtown Nashville that don't have the financial support systems around them to do it themselves. So it's a great cause. It's a fun night. You can purchase a ticket at 1045thezone.com. If you do that, what you get? Three hours of bowling. You get to hang out and drink with us, and your drinks are free with your ticket. You get free food with your ticket. You get bowling shoes with your ticket. You get the whole nine yards. You get Brooklyn Bowl for three hours with 75 of your closest friends and A to Z Sports primetime consumers. So do that at 1045thezone.com. I cannot wait to see you guys out there. And by the way, you guys kick ass. I know I said this last night, but you guys kick ass for buying as many tickets as you already have. But we want this mother bleeper to be a sellout. We do. We want to, you know, I was talking, I made this analogy on the, uh, I made this the analogy on the uh, radio show today, but like Josh Black is a comedian and Josh Black is now pitching a, a sellout streak of 12 consecutive shows that he sold out at Zany's. It's pretty damn good. Now I haven't done 12 consecutive bowling events or whatever this is. This is the first time I've put on something like this. And, you know, I can't say that I have single-handedly put this on. I have not. That's not true at all. In fact, the radio station has done a tremendous job organizing this. Lucas has been a big part of this. The promotions director, Rich Ferris. Anyway, what I love is that you guys kick ass and you've got you've bought as many tickets as you have already, but I want to sell out. I want to sell out for a good cause, and I think that we should all celebrate it together. Like I said, if we sell it out, everybody's getting drinks on me, honest to God, because I'm going to be happy as hell, and I'm very, uh, I'm very excited about this whole this whole proposition. All right. So do that at 1045thezone.com. What's the biggest mistake on this college football quarterback list? Outside of the fact that Keaton Slovis now plays at Pittsburgh and pro football focus screwed that up themselves. Uh, Bryce Young, Caleb Williams, Spencer Rattler in there is funny because he wasn't even the best quarterback on his own roster last year. And apparently he's now better than CJ Stroud, who is probably going to be, you know, in some order, some form or fashion, one of the three quarterback first quarterback selected in the NFL draft um like I said Sam Hartman at Wake Forest I like Wake Forest a lot actually and Dylan Gabriel at Oklahoma as a transfer is going to be fascinating Tyler Van Dyke is probably the overall best quarterback in the ACC and like I said the ACC's got a lot of interesting players Keaton Slovis Tyler Van Dyke Brennan Armstrong and Sam Hartman all play in the ACC but I think the biggest mistake on here is without question Spencer Rattler because any list that does not include Will Levis but also includes Spencer Rattler, I'm sorry, I just cannot accept that. Now first and 10. 
Levis going to take off himself. And he will bounce off for a first down and a spin move. Will Levis motors his way to the five. 34-yard rumble for the 230-pound QB. This kid's got some juice. To hang out with him yesterday, he is so much bigger in person when you're standing next to him than he looks on film or he looks from the stands. He is tough to bring down and he has got juice. Will Levis needs to be on that list. Now, I see a lot of you guys yelling at me about uh, about Hendon Hooker um, and that you think Hendon Hooker belongs on here. I would, I would definitely take Keaton Slovis off for Hendon Hooker. I would definitely take, well, let's leave the list up. I would definitely take Spencer Rattler off for Hendon Hooker. But like I said, Will Levis has to be somewhere on here. But yeah, you could take two of those off. And I would not, I would not object. I don't think I would object to Hendon Hooker being on this list. Maybe Nick Leary at NC State. I like him a lot too. Um, I think that he's got, I think that he is, I think NC State should be, I mean, Clemson's favored to win. The ACC title, but I do think uh, I do think NC State, um, NC State, Wake Forest, and Clemson are probably all going to be in the conversation at the end of it. I mean, ACC is going to have three top fifteen teams probably this year, and a lot of strength at the quarterback position. So, like I said, it would be between Devin Leary and and Hendon Hooker for me specifically. Um, Mark Jones says Buck is a Kentucky fan. <laughs> Mark, are you thick? Mark, Mark, a Kentucky fan? Listen to me. I I don't ever like move the camera. I think it's bad form to like move the camera around while we're doing the primetime show, but I'm going to unhinge my setup so that I can directly, directly turn my laptop in the direction. I think I'm going the correct direction in the direction of my Indiana University diploma and graduation letter that sits above me. A Kentucky fan? Mark! Mark! What are you talking about? I hate Kentucky. There's not a school on this planet Earth that I hate more than Kentucky because I went to that school, because I graduated from that school, Indiana University. We despise Kentucky. Uh, Yeah, you guys don't normally get to see a picture of the office, but I've got all kinds of things hanging up in my office around the uh, around the primetime setup. They, Mark, there is nothing I hate in athletics more than the University of Kentucky. Just because I'm not a super homer about your quarterback doesn't mean that I'm a Kentucky fan. It just means that I watch the game and I understand what to look for in a pro prospect and how much Hendon Hooker gets help from his offensive coaching staff. And that's not a bad thing. Do not tell me that I'm a Kentucky fan. Mark that... Mark, you have said some outrageous things on this show throughout the course of your participation, and we were grateful for your presence because everybody needs a homer on the show. But so help me God, Mark, if you tell me that I'm a Kentucky fan, again, I will smite you down with a crimson and cream Indiana Hoosier lightning bolt. It is unacceptable. We cannot have it again. A Levis fan then. Yeah, you're damn right. He's a good player. Yeah, I can hate Kentucky and also like Will Levis. It's completely reasonable. You know why? It's not a fan. I don't give a shit. It's my job. It's what they pay me to do. All right, enough of this. It's going to do it for us on the primetime show tonight. I'm glad we ended on a high note. Bravo, Mark. Uh, Radio show tomorrow. Josh Pate, speaking of college football, a lot of college football talk with Josh Pate of Late Kick. 
uh, and CBS Sports. He'll be in studio tomorrow. Also, we are going to point and laugh at the Nashville SC backline supporter section for a list of demands that they sent to the club today. So we are going to do our own list of demands that will uh, that will take place on the radio show. I believe uh, I believe at noon we're doing that. Oh, former Vols offensive lineman Thomas Edwards is going to be in studio as well. He's doing some cool stuff with Josh Dobbs that we'll talk about. Tomorrow from 10 to 1 on 104.5 The Zone. Have a fantastic evening. Kentucky stinks, uh, even though I love all of our Wildcat fans who hang out here with us each and every night because I know there are many of you in Middle Tennessee. Have a great evening. Radio show starts at 10, primetime tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Central Time.